Hey everybody and welcome to the Fiscal Frisk. I'm your host, Zach Hunter. I would like to thank Chase Drew for the intro music for today. Chase is a London musician, so if you like that song, make sure you go check out all of his music on all streaming platforms now. As always, I have my co-anchor, Devin Box, with me. Devin, say something to the people. Howdy. You're getting better. We, we went from high to howdy. Howdy. Sorry. He's going to switch it up every episode from now on, I guess. Uh, Devin specializes in the healthcare industry and hosts a podcast called the Health Science Podcast. So make sure that you check that out. We have some really good uh, discussions about uh, different healthcare topics uh, from COVID to Parkinson's to Medical imaging, everything, fitness, all yeah. that stuff. So make sure you go check that out if you're interested in that. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, here's what we do. We will review and break down literature relating to fiscal and or monetary policy and with the goal in mind to make the paper more understandable for you guys. Devin's just here to act on behalf as a non-expert in the policy field and will seek clarification when needed and to keep me on track because I'm a rambler. Uh, so now if you are like most Canadians and you've been looking at the exchange rate compared to the U.S. dollar or just in general... It's a it's a sad emoji. It's a very Ouch. crying face. Ouch. And uh, you might be asking, how do exchange rates work and how are they affected and what causes exchange rates to go up and down? Today, we're going to look at uh, exchange rates and its direct impact on monetary policy or how monetary policy affects exchange rates more uh, specifically. Uh, the paper is called The Role of Exchange Rate in Monetary Policy Rules. So let's just dive right into it. As always... How does the paper start? Background? Background. Oh, yeah. So the information um, that they bring is the idea of a fixed versus a a floating exchange rate. And to fix your exchange rate is just that you peg it. Pegging is just you set it to another currency and and it just is fixed to that currency and it stays at a certain point. So you would usually uh, peg it to the US dollar or the euro. And this is just to have stability. But um, if you are not fixing your exchange rate, the exchange rate is either valued through some currency board or a common currency or some sort of dollarization. The only alternative monetary policy that can work in the long run is based on this Trinity idea of monetary policy. And we all know that with the Trinity, you can't have all three things. You must give up one thing in that Trinity. So the first of the Trinity is a flexible exchange rate. The second is an inflation target. And the third is a monetary policy rule. And the idea of a floating exchange rate is the desirability of such monetary policy in an open economy. An open economy is just an economy that all of its good is not... like domestically sold and uh, used. It's just economy where you trade. Um, It is the most important part of the Trinity is the monetary policy, just meaning that monetary policy is needed for good exchange rates. And we'll talk later on on how it directly impacts exchange rates. Um, Just saying this does not end the debate on how exchange rates should be taken into account in formulating monetary policy. Uh, Even if one excludes capital controls, so this is money constraints, uh, this may not lead to ineffective or attractive ways to uh, de-link exchange rate movements from the domestic interest rate. So like this is just meaning uh, when you cut your interest rates, um, it doesn't mean that it will have a direct link to the exchange rates or it will move in a predictable way. 
it's not always predictable. So the crucial question remains, how should instruments of monetary policy, so these interest rates, react to exchange rates? Should policymakers avoid any reaction and focus on domestic indicators such as uh, inflation or real GDP? Now, we've talked about this before, so we'll briefly talk about this, is that monetary policy has changed uh, like before and post-globalization. So obviously before globalization, countries' monetary policy was based purely off of domestic investment and their economy. Um, but because of post-globalization, there has been a lot more emphasis on creating policy to have a competitive advantage for the exchange rates. As, as we know, businesses now are global and it needs to be competitive for a global scale just to be like, you know, businesses are global now. We, you need the, like the competitive edge. It'd be pretty hard. Like if you had a business and you wanted to take it overseas yeah. and your government did a horrible job of making your, your dollar worth anything. Like imagine being a like, Zimbabwean company. It's like billions of dollars. It's like $1 here. Yeah. So <laughs> just you need, so beforehand when you only had to worry about domestic, so just straight interest rates or real GDP, inflation, um, those sort of things. Now we're adding a whole other sort of mix and you can see it. Like if you look even at the most recent um, government over uh, with the liberals going into power, uh, we've really tried to, in Canada, we've really tried to step ourselves up on the global scale. And one of the best ways to show yourself on the global economic scale is to show how strong your exchange rate is. Like to show, because that just means that your economy is doing well. How's that working for us? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment. Yeah. But I mean. So it's just important to note what the author is trying to say is where should you focus um, your time and resources on in monetary policy? Should you focus on the exchange rates? Is this the best thing to focus on for monetary policy? Or do you focus on domestic policies such as real GDP, inflation, and um, those sort of policies? So now we're going to look at empirical research on monetary policy rules um, has recently begun to focus on this important exchange rate question. And the research is uh, what we call a new normative macroeconomic approach, which is just an approach of using models combining different theories. So there's a whole bunch of different theories of like what you should do in like if there's like a shock or like a crisis, like for you to increase or decrease um, like interest rates and that sort of thing. So, you know, like there's a Keynesian, like, you know, all those different types of uh, economic policies. And so they take the different theories and then you take the technical ideas of the research. And this is done in a four-step process. So the first one is you would place a potential monetary policy into a macroeconomic model. And then two, you would solve the model. Three, examine the properties of the variables because there's so many variables at hand. Like, does interest rates directly impact the exchange rates? Does inflation impact exchange rates? So you have to look at how the properties change of these variables by implementing these different policies. So wait, then, I, this, this is like a computer sim kind of thing, right? Yeah. You have a model, putting all your variables in, see what it does, and that hopefully accurately predicts what that policy would do in real life. And that's step four is you okay. choose the rule that gives you the most satisfactory performance. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so what this research will answer is that exchange rates is an important part of the mechanism and many of the policy evaluation models 
which is this is just a fancy way of saying the exchange rate is one of the most important variables when it comes to just general uh, monetary policy. Okay. It has direct effects on interest rates, inflation, and all Everything. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the exchange rate usually enters the model as like the final stepping stone. So it's like it starts off with inflation and like the other variables, but it kind of comes full circle to exchange rates as this is the most key satisfactory uh, variable in the end. So the paper goes on uh, to do a brief review of research on the exchange rate and uh, the policy rules where he looks at three studies. And this is very mathematical, so I won't... um, We talk about this on the Health Science Podcast was uh, the validity. And in research, I haven't talked about it on this uh, channel much, Uh, But it's a concept in research where it's important that your research has the validity to that your research like proves its findings and the math used behind it is sound. But this is, you know, I'm not going to try to explain the derivatives and like the limits that they use in the constraints. We're just going to take for what they have. Uh, what he has done, like, uh, like, uh, we'll have the description. You guys can go check it out if you want to see the validity. But the we're just, <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, like as much fun as me trying to explain <laughs> very high concept math. Read it. We're just going to assume that uh, these findings have validity. So, for an open um, economy model, so this is just a normal economy. It showed better performance in countries that created policy around. Um, creating a more competitive exchange rate and how they performance is just measured in terms of the size of fluctuations of real GDP around potential GDP. So they took of what actually happened and what their potential would be and the size of the fluctuations of inflation and inflation targets. So as we talked about countries try to keep their inflation of 2%. So they would take the exchange rates in the monetary policy and um, they would see where inflation would actually go compared to that target rate. Uh, the interest rate, uh, what was interesting was the interest rate rule that reacts to the exchange rate as well as to output. And output is just how much goods and services you put into an economy. And inflation, it actually reduced the standard deviation of inflation rate below the inflation target. So just meaning that looking just at exchange rates, it was actually a way to reduce inflation. This was the main concept out of the three studies. Mm. So what does this mean? Because that's a lot of jargon. Uh, The best way to explain this is an example. Um, If there was an appreciation of the exchange rate, so your money is worth more on the global scale now, Um, There are two effects that happens. The first, it lowers real GDP by this term called expenditure switching, meaning your goods become less domestic because now that your goods are worth more on a global scale, you're going to sell more internationally, which doesn't account in your GDP. It counts in their GDP because it's the final goods and services in that country. Mm-hmm. So it reduces your real GDP and in turns lowers. Yeah. So you're, and then it lowers your real GDP. And the second is it will lower inflation because the price of imported goods will not increase as rapidly as the appreciation of your currency. So 
if your money is so uh, inflation again, uh, just a quick definition, it costs a hundred dollars today for a basket of goods and services. Let's just say big max, like a hundred big max costs you a hundred bucks. And a year from now it costs you 105 bucks. Oh. The inflation is 5% uh, because of the $5 increase. So if your inflation, uh, because your dollar is worth more, the prices of imported goods, so like those Big Macs, if our dollars are worth more, Big Macs are worth less if they're imported goods. Mm-hmm. Those imported goods will not increase, so inflation won't increase as rapidly as the appreciation of currency. Okay. So instead of being 105, if you import them, they're 101. Because your dollar's worth more. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So empirically, these inflation and output effects of the exchange rate will occur with a lag. Now, because of this lag, an appreciation of the exchange rate will decrease the level of output and inflation that is expected in the future. Because if you in like if you get an appreciation of your dollar now, so your exchange rate's going up. In the future, this will just lower the level of output because, again, goods and services are now cheaper abroad. So you'll import more stuff mm-hmm. and your inflation is less because it's less than your appreciation of your currency. So this is a super important part of exchange rates because because of that lag, you wreak the immediate benefits of an appreciation of the dollar. But in terms of like the overall economic um performance it actually reduces your overall output and actually might hurt your economy in the long run so sometimes increasing or appreciating your exchange rate or your currency well it's only it's good for the global economy maybe but it might actually hurt you domestically if done too fast if done too fast if it's not like if you're able to counteract that appreciation with inflation then you don't have that decrease so if you're able to peg it equally, that's best case scenario. But if your appreciation is more than your inflation, then goods actually just cost less, which that might be good, like in terms of like consumers Air and quote. stuff, but like it actually might just hurt the overall economy. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. So let's conclude because I felt like this was, this was just a lot of coverage in a very short period of time. Uh, this is more of a complex and maybe next episode I'll go more directly and find numbers in specific countries to give like more concrete examples. Um, an important and still unsettled issue for monetary policy in open economies is how much of an interest rate reaction there should be to the exchange rate in a monetary policy regime of a flexible exchange rate inflation target. So this is just a fancy way of saying, what are the effects of the uh, exchange rate on the interest rate um, under a flexible exchange rate? Again, we defined that earlier with an inflation target. The research indicates that monetary policy um, that reacts directly to the exchange rate as well as to inflation and output do not work much better in stabilizing inflation and real output and sometimes um, will worsen those uh, then policy rules that do not uh, react directly to the exchange rate. So this is just a fancy way of saying, if you focus too much on your exchange rate, uh, you actually might lose the 
the domestic uh, amount of like how much your interest rates might increase or decrease. And then that's how you might lead to, say, uh, a scenario of having too high of inflation or too low of inflation because inflation is healthy. That just means that your economy is doing good. You would rather want to slow it down than try to speed it up. Um, so maybe it's best to focus on domestic issues such as real GDP growth as that is the main reason why even monetary policy was put into place. And you could argue that these other policies or these variables, like what we talked about, will handle itself as a stabilizer in the long term. Because if you have a strong domestic market or strong monetary policy, your inflation would lower and it will act as a stabilizing effect and your exchange rate would maybe in turn appreciate at the same level like what we talked about earlier if it's this uh, if it's pegged with your inflation then you don't get that decrease in output if your exchange rate and your inflation rate are equal so if you have strong domestic and you're like you decrease your interest rates or uh, increase your interest rates and you worry about domestic issues then ex like it's instead of just exchange rates it, it will actually lead maybe to an appreciation of your exchange rate. But like highlighted in the study, sometimes you don't need things to go up or down. You want stability. And that's the biggest thing is um, why would you want an increase if it causes a hinder or like it constrains you in the future again because of that leg? So and what and again, the whole reason why monetary policy was put into place is to have stability for people to know what's going to happen right so if you have predictability and stability i feel like those are the two most important things in monetary policy because that's how you create strong policies and that's how businesses grow and that's like because you know what's going to happen if it's predictable we know because of covid the bank of canada is going to drop the interest rates because we need like people need more money during this time like we want predictability that way, not for them to increase interest rates to try to help our exchange rate, even though we can't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just creating stability is one of the main key aspects of monetary policy and exchange rates. So I know that we covered a lot in a very short amount of time. So do you have any final comments or questions? No, no. Yeah, it makes sense to me. All right, perfect. So this paper was a little more complex, so hopefully that made sense. Um, we can look more into exchange rates in future episodes and I'll find I'll try to find more specific case uh, case studies to countries on how their exchange rates actually got so bad. So like we said earlier, like Zimbabwe or how malt uh, monetary policy like directly affected that and how it got so out of control. Like if they were focused too much on their domestic or were they too focused on to the exchange rate and how they ended up like that. So I think that's a good spot to end. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to the fiscal frisk. I will leave the reference and contact information in the description for you to explore and for any questions, concerns, or studies and articles that you want us to cover next. As always, I'm your host, Zach Hunter, alongside Devin Box. Make sure to listen to his podcast, the health science podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, stay safe and we'll see you next episode.